for March 2013. The Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast is sponsored by MailOrderComics.com. They have today's comics at yesterday's prices. An example in this episode is on Scarlet Spider number 17. The description reads that Kane owes the Assassin Guild one murder and they want Wolverine dead. Now this sounds like a cool fight and the cover price is $2.99. Mail order has it for just a buck 85, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at MailOrderComics.com. Welcome back, gang, to the show. We start this one off with a discussion on the new Mary Jane in the Amazing Spider-Man 2 movie. All right, Kevin, you've got this one also. Um, Oh, I can't think of the actress's name off the top of my head. Who are we talking about? Mary Jane. Shailene Woodley, I think. Yes, we have pictures of her that were snapped with a scene of her on a bike and Peter fixing a broken car. What do you think? Um, primarily, I hate to say this, uh, I there am we go. So, <laughs> no, I'm so disappointed in some of the people posting on our front page <laughs> because yeah. some paparazzi pictures of this girl on set uh, came out and we posted them. And like the first ten comments I saw are, "Man, this girl's ugly. She can't play no Mary Jane. She looks like crap." And I'm like. <laughs> Come on, guys. As this guy sits in his sweatpants and types on the internet. Well, I'm just talking about, like, a teenage girl here. Do we really need to, you know, whatever, like, 35-year-old man, as you said, in sweatpants, do we really need to be throwing that <laughs> crap at her? I mean, it's just, yeah. it's really disappointing, like, from the human race in general that that's how we act. But <laughs> I, I'd rather wait to see some actual shots, like screen caps and whatnot, because, I mean, we've seen... Pictures, uh, I admit that the pictures they released, or and that's the thing, they didn't release them. The paparazzi pictures we saw yeah. didn't look that good. But we've seen plenty of pictures of this actress. She's a pretty girl. You know, right. it's not like she's just ugly. <laughs> um, I think basically what we saw is some really badly lit paparazzi pictures taken at a bad time. So uh, I think it's unfortunate that those are the first shots that came out of her as Mary Jane, but I think it's way more unfortunate that people jumped on him to say, what an ugly young girl! You know, it's also uh, unfortunate. Andrew Garfield wearing red corduroy pants. What the, <laughs> What is going on with those pants? Well, Brad, you could rephrase that to say what's unfortunate is anybody wearing red corduroy pants. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no wonder his car broke down. He's embarrassed to have those pants inside of it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, some people on the front page... Uh, also posted that that bike is kind of reminiscent of uh, Peter Parker's moped a little bit from the 60s hmm. that she rode around on. That is a coincidence, but an interesting coincidence. 
Yeah. Uh, what do you guys think of Mary Jane being a biker chick? I think that's kind of cool. She's also evidently a waitress, which is similar to the, the Raimi films. That's Worst idea since Peter from. Parker being a skater. <laughs> I, I couldn't care less. To be Don't be a skater hater. <laughs> I, I I do. I will say. I will say. Those images of her of of the actress were not in the best light. If I'm being she completely honest with myself, but I have seen like that's not the first time I've ever seen this actress uh, since we've, she's been announced to be Mary Jane. And I've seen her look a lot more you know appealing, and I think it's I like like Kevin was saying. I want to hit up on this. I think it's really interesting that people's reaction was you know. That's not Mary Jane. She's not somebody I would want to have sex with. It's horrible. And like, she's a twenty-year-old girl. <laughs> can you oh, no. can you really talk? Yeah. And she's in the comic book movie. Are you really going to be that vindictive? And Don and I were talking about this, I guess, on Texter a couple days ago. Whoever is cast as Mary Jane, and in, in the books, Mary Jane just outshined Gwen Stacy left and right. I mean, at least one, she was my favorite. If, if I had to pick Betty or Veronica. Mary Jane or Gwen, I always pick Mary Jane because she was the cooler character. Here's what we have a problem with in the movies, in my opinion. Emma Stone is freaking amazing. Oh, yes. <laughs> Emma Stone is gorgeous. She's a good actress. She's funny. She's the movie has a large problem. It has a good actress in it. Exactly, exactly. And whoever is cast as Mary Jane, at least in my mind, if you want to stay true to the books and, and make it uh, Peter's true love, in my opinion, which is Mary Jane, you got to get an actress that'll outact, outshine, and out out uh, sparkle the screen. Emma Stone. How is that possible? That's, that's my worry with this actress because I I mean exactly. I've not seen much of her. I'll freely admit. But Me too. Mary Jane really has to like be on her on par with Wednesday. And Emma, I've seen and a lot of Emma Stone lately. <laughs> surpass it. I don't know if she can do that. I, I mean, well, I am hesitant. Let's also be fair that the Gwen Stacy we saw in the first Amazing Spider-Man movie wasn't exactly the Gwen Stacy that was in the comic books. So we don't know, just because we're introducing Mary Jane, that that's exactly the way they're going with her. They're oftener, dude. (laughs) (laughs) And then Mary – I guess Mary Jane is the the backup plan? Is that – Oh, you don't want to say that? Joe Costello's going to cut that audio out. Everybody's going to be upset with me on that one. Uh, Here, historian, I need your help. JR, is Mary Jane the backup plan to Peter's plans of love? Well, that that almost sounded like a tongue twister there. I'm not uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) – I mean – Wait a minute, wait a minute. What do you you mean the backup plan? He was like, like, well, if I can't screw the pretty blonde girl, I'll screw the pretty redhead. You know, is that – I mean, was what? Uh, That's Zach's backup plan. Is <laughs> pretty good plan, frankly. Go for it, Zach. Spider friends, go for it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess even on the wedding day, which didn't happen, or I guess it did, and the brick happened, a brick house. Um, he even on his wedding day, he's wondering if Gwen was the, the true one, and she got murdered. Do you think P- Peter would eventually? Get with, does he consider Mary Jane the backup plan because Gwen died? I no, guess it's my thought. No, Peter does not. However, okay. I think I think one of Mary Jane's fears, or at yeah. least when they were writing her correctly when they were married, uh, I think one of Mary Jane's deep, deep-seated fears is that she is the backup plan. Uh, so, but no, I don't think Peter, I, I think, you know, Peter more than once has said, I, I loved you, I love you more than I love Gwen. And, you know, really, I mean, 
I don't know. I mean, I've been married a long time, and, you know, yeah, sometimes you look back and you say, should I have, you know, was this the, you know, the right, you know, and and for him to look at a picture and and kind of wonder, I think, is perfectly human and does not say anything at all about did he really prefer one or the other. What's your thoughts on the actress has to outshine Emma Stone, which I think is damn hard to do. I I agree with you that that has kind of created a problem. I think that was a very good point that you made, and I think that at the fact that Stone and Garfield obviously have chemistry together, exactly that that, <laughs> that kind of worked in real, went into real life. I mean, they they Bodily did they chemistry. just yeah they they just clicked uh, and but but so you have to make Mary Jane very different. I mean, the fact that she's not a supermodel type is fine with me because I didn't I didn't like that aspect of the comics. She's got it. I think this is a perfectly pretty girl. This is a perfectly fine girl. And I've no. seen people calling her a heifer. And, you know, it's like, oh, you, you guys need to be slapped upside the head. Uh, they called Kate Upton a heifer, too. Yeah. I want to smack them with her boobs. Yeah, this is <laughs> so, the fact that she may be a biker, she's got to have a harder edge now because Emma Stone's Gwen is this clean cut, you know, neat girl. And, and really, you don't have to. You don't have to have. A, a deep a romance, a deep-seated romance between Peter and Mary Jane for this to work, because you can have Mary Jane be introduced in this film, then start to play a bigger role in the next film, and then the movie ends after Gwen's death with the famous scene from issue one twenty-two, where yeah. you know where you know uh, you know Peter is you know basically telling Mary Jane go with the hell away, I just want to be alone and feel sorry for myself, and yes. Mary and says by the way you know you wouldn't cry if your own mother died. You know, and then Mary Jane shuts the door and puts her arms around him. That's that's all that has to happen. You don't have to see a romance between these two characters or actors to know what's going to happen. Because after after the third movie, this cast and and crew is done anyway, and they'll reboot it again. Well, and honestly, when you really look at it, Emma Stone's Gwen Stacy is much more reminiscent of Ultimate Mary Jane. She came first. She's actually the smart girl. Um, in a lot of ways, she's very reminiscent of Ultimate Mary Jane. So if you look at the way we're going with, like, okay, she's kind of a more tough, leather biker chick, maybe this Mary Jane is closer to Ultimate Gwen Stacy. Mm, with the tattoos and stuff. Mm-hmm. Zach, you had a point you might want to make. Or not? Really not. <laughs> <laughs> he says, can I jump in after this on the text? And I'm like, sure. Probably muted. You muted? It was like a whole 60 seconds ago. He's moved on. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, wait, wait, wait. Can you hear me? <laughs> God. I just envisioned you like uh, Toby Maguire on the bus running beside it. <laughs> just the side of it. Wait, okay, so what? Zach okay. had tech issues this episode. Check. Oh. <laughs> he sounds pretty good this episode, though. <laughs> Thank you. I'm, I'm glad the yep. sound quality's there, Kevin. But... <laughs> anyway. All right. All right, you brothers. <laughs> My whole point was I remember us on this very program making fun of the set photos of the first Amazing Spider-Man movie when the the Spider-Man had peace, having his crotch in his face and all that jazz. I mean, we made fun of that incessantly. How can you not? I I agree. (laughs) But at the same time, I mean, so we've kind of established that a little bit of that precedent, but Going, taking it to the next level, which is what some of these guys on our on our Facebook page and our message board did. It 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 is Kevin's right. This is we have to see. We need to see this in motion. We need to see this motion picture. 
as it's supposed to be presented and as Sony wants to present it. So, so before we sit there and start, you know, you know, him and Han over some uh, over stuff that may or may not be in the movie, let's remember that you know these people are doing the best that they can, and obviously we were mostly almost all of us were completely well, blown away. They've got a good they've got a good track record from the first one, so that's why I have faith that they'll right pull through the second right. one. Right. Uh, let's see. Any other thoughts on that one before we move on to the next topic? Let's see here. What is the next topic? If I <laughs> I had all those, I can't ever remember the Mary Jane actress's name. Uh, Shailene Woodley. Yeah, that just doesn't flow off my tongue. Uh, <laughs> well, leave it oh, sorry. There. <laughs> uh, we hit up Chris Cooper. We hit up Mary Jane. The new costume. Uh, oh, Ramy. Ramy talks him. Oh, yep. We let's do Zach's topic of uh, Ramy is talking about Spider-Man Four and what possibly could have. Happened with that one. He was interviewed by Vulture Magazine, which I think is very funny. <laughs> and he basically confirms that Anne Hathaway was reading for the part of Felicia Hardy. He didn't elaborate if she was going to play the Vulturette or uh, Black Cat. And he basically says that he was unhappy with Spider-Man 3 and he wanted to make Spider-Man 4 better and end on a high note instead of them just in the jazz club hugging. Uh, <laughs> uh, but he couldn't. They, he was under a tight deadline, and he couldn't get the script together. And he said, "Sony, I don't want to make this movie like this." And they said, "All right, reboot, <laughs> remix." So, Zach, what do you think about Raimi doing a little? Uh, he's he's doing press for the uh, Land of Oz, I think, with uh, Harry Osborn himself, James Franco. Exactly. Uh, you, two, no. I, you know, it's a pretty decent interview. There's not. I mean, it's not a very yeah. long interview. It's a very quick read. Um, but I, I just, I feel like that it really confirms what all of us really thought about Spider-Man three, which was all of, you know, keep adding all this stuff and all these elements to it. It really just kind of took away a little bit from Sam Raimi's, you know, vision. I think the, the studio influenced it so much that, um, really, I, I think that it, it ended up being what it was, which was not. Not a bad movie. It's not as bad as we, you know, we made it out to be. It's a, it's a good movie, but it's not nearly as good as Spider-Man Two. So, right. um, I, I, you know, I, I, I like the fact that we pretty much confirmed that she was gonna, that um, Anne Hathaway was gonna be Felicia Hardy because God knows she could fill out that costume, boys. I'm just saying. Just go see the Batman movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I, right, and I think it's highly ironic that she ended up playing Catwoman. So, yeah. Very true. Um, but I just, you know, I, 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 I really think that I kind of wish we would have gotten Spider-Man four. Uh, yeah, I do too. I don't think it would have been very good though if we had Vulturette and Vulture as the main two bads. I wouldn't see it. Uh, from the fact least, that Sam Raimi wasn't happy with it and couldn't even get that together in time means it's not a movie we wanted to see. Right. right? I mean, I, I mean, like if 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 <laughs> yeah. But my point is, is I want to see what he would have done if he had had been able to put that movie... You know, carte, carte Blanche. Yeah, yeah, Carte Blanche to do whatever he wanted to do. I agree. I, I, that's the movie I want to see, not the one that Sony wanted to do. Right. And I think... I, I don't want to put words in the director's mouth, but I, I, I don't think he was a fan of Venom, and I think the studio was. That was an open secret. And, yeah, and they kind of shoved Venom into that script, and I, I liked seeing the black costume, I liked seeing Venom, but I think Venom is a whole movie. 
Right. I mean, Venom. Venom really yeah. works as as a, as a character you develop. Not twenty minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Not not twenty minutes at the end. He's up in the bell tower, and uh, I was neat how they did the Sonic thing in three, but uh, it, there was too much shoved in that movie, and I, I didn't like the the Gwen Stacy introduced so later in this. I don't know. I, there's there's a lot of things that that could have been redone with that movie. I, I think at that point they they should have just ignored Gwen Stacy because they already had, but they had a already had the love of. Mary Jane going, etc. I don't know. When Stacy introduced when Peter proposes to Mary Jane. That, that, just backwards. So just ignore Gwen Stacy and introduce Felicia Hardy. That would have been that would have worked. Right. I would have liked to see I mean Dallas Bryce Howard could have been easily played Felicia Hardy. Oh, yeah. yeah, but do you really want to see Black Cat added on to everything else that was going on in that movie? That's true. Sure. <laughs> but, but see if they how I would have done it and, and Kevin you can you can you know critique me on this. We'll do. But <laughs> but it wouldn't have made more sense to introduce to introduce Brock, introduce Felicia Hardy, and maybe save those characters for a fourth movie? I think personally, um, we all blame Sony for, you know, they forced Venom on and everything. But okay, Sony wanted Venom. He had to do Venom. He didn't have to do Sandman. Sandman didn't have to be in the movie. That was Raimi. Raimi right, won that. Well, Raimi, Raimi, Raimi didn't have to uh, weird ass Goblin two that sort of went nowhere. You know, it's okay. We had to do Venom. That doesn't explain the rest of what was going on in that movie. My biggest problem with the movie is Sandman didn't need to be there. Well, Sandman's like Raimi's a totally. He's a '60s guy. He's a '60s era Spider-Man. Mark. That's all he really is well versed about. So he was going to be the movie whether Venom was in there or not. Yeah, that's the thing though. Is he wanted to do a movie with Sandman? Sony then said, "Well, here's the thing." Spider-Man 3 has to be Venom. And so he's like, guess I'm going to do both. Well, that was dumb. At that point, he if he had to do Venom, he needed to realize that, as Brad just said, Venom is a movie, and he couldn't yeah. fit in his pet Sandman. That was that was a Raimi mistake. Well, well in fairness, you said, you, you said that, you know, like, you have to do Venom. Would he, I mean, like, I mean, I, guess, I suppose he could have excised his, his entire script for it, but, like, I'll, I'm not sure if I can, I can blame Raimi all that much for cramming that stuff. The Harry Osborn thing was kind of built up over three movies. The Sandman thing, yeah, I probably could have cut that out because I like Venom. But it sounds like, you know, it sounds to me that, like, I don't think Sony was really editing him as much or, you know, looking at, at him. Like, I remember JR said one time, uh, the preview screens were whatever. They could have advised him to cut, up, cut back some things that they didn't. Do you right. want Venom introduced in the next movie? No. God, no. Which next movie? See. Two or three? Two, because dude, the, we got the, Electro, the, Rhino, and Norman Osborn. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put a black cat in there and a Mysterio too. Um, <laughs> no, the, the Mark Webb tweeted that picture of that locker, and if you go back to Ultimate Spider-Man continuity, uh, his Peter Parker's father and Eddie Bro- was it Eddie Brock's father yeah, created the uh, father. created the Venom suit, and it was in a little locker like that. Anyway, I think it'd be neat to just see a symbiote. Just build up over a couple movies, or build up over one movie. I don't know. Yeah, it'd be cool. It's just we've kind of already started a multi-movie arc of Norman Osborn, so I'm not sure how many of those we can really handle. Right. Also, playing off this topic, uh, Don just cut and pasted this in the chat window. It seems that uh, Sam Raimi he put off and put off actually seeing the Amazing Spider-Man movie, and he said finally. Uh, saw it, and he says, quote, It was very hard for me to see the new Spider-Man movie. I felt so attached to it, I couldn't see Spider-Man with another director. It's like my love, and I didn't want to walk in on 
my love with someone else. It was just like that. Then I got over myself last week, and I said, just see the damn thing. And I did, and I loved it, and I actually felt free. I thought, why am I carrying around the baggage? Of course, the next Spider-Man story should be told, and Mark Webb did a wonderful job telling that, and I love the movie, and I'm looking forward, like a fan, to the next installment. And I love the comic book, and now I feel bound, and I'm really glad someone's remaking it again. So that was, I think that's very nice of him to say that. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, all right, let's move on to another topic. Um, Chris, this one's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This one had took place in Times Square. Catch me up what happened. A mo- did, did Spider-Man assault the mother or did the mother <laughs> assault the Spider-Man? What, somebody's smacking somebody. Who was it? Well, okay, so... This is right. uh, the story is about a street performer in Times Square who dresses okay. up as Spider-Man, and so I know that these guys are in L.A. too, right, Kevin? Like they they sort of oh, walk yeah. around any yeah. especially Hollywood Boulevard. Like yeah. you see three Spider-Men, a couple of Captain Americas, just all over the place. Do they want money? What do they want? Yeah, they, they they run around and they pose for pictures <laughs> and they ask you for tips. It's like a you know how there's like the guy who plays guitar on the street and you put a right, right. a buck in his uh, coffee can or whatever. Like it's ca- kind of like that, but they're dressing up as, in costumes to entertain you. And the odd uh, thing is, I've never been asked for money by any of them. I see them like posing for pictures with people, and that's like all they're doing. Yeah, Kevin, right. get a picture with one. Seriously, <laughs> I could probably get a picture with three Spider-Man and a Scarlet Spider. Do it, dude. <laughs> Do it. Put it on the front page. So, anyway, yeah, so he posed with this uh, woman's children, I think, and then he asked the woman for a tip, and the woman said that she didn't have any cash or something like that, and the allegation is that the Spider-Man responded, you're crap, and then, what, <laughs> according to the, the news story I read, both the defense and prosecution agree that what happened next is that the woman hit the Spider-Man performer with a snowball, then... According to then, according to the prosecution, the performer punched the woman, and then apparently, what happened is allegedly the woman went to get her husband and pointed oh, to, yeah. but she pointed to a completely different guy in a Spider-Man suit, <laughs> <laughs> and so she she goes up she goes up to the, like the the innocent bystander, uh, the innocent Spider-Man, Spider-Man yeah. and says, "What did you do to me, you fucker?" <laughs> That's a quote. All right. And then it seems the husband told her that she was yelling at the wrong Spider-Man. <laughs> and then a- according to witnesses in Times Square, the husband started hitting the right Spider-Man with his backpack and then then the police came. And so the Spider-Man who pu- who allegedly punched the woman got charged with assault. And then in court, the the lawyer's argument is that Spider Spidey hit the woman in self defense because she threw a snowball at him. <laughs> For God's sake! <laughs> so, what's your take on that, Chris? <laughs> uh, is your question whether I think it's self defense? Oh, well, sure. What, what what do you think of the whole damn story? Actually? I don't know. <laughs> I, you know, I'm a strong believer that you know, like the the truth of what happens in an alleged crime can only be answered by a jury based on the evidence that's actually presented in court. Um, so, I mean, there are some questions that this story doesn't tell us. Did this were these like hard icy snowballs? Uh, you know, like were these like ice baseballs that she was throwing, and she was going to throw another one, and like the only way this guy could get her to stop was to punch her. Yeah. Maybe 
Um, for, for self-defense, usually, and I looked at the law in New York, and this is, this is in tune with what's common. You know, you, self-defense isn't somebody hits you and then you hit them back. That's just called revenge. Uh, yeah. Self-defense is, you know, when you use force to prevent something that's about to happen. So I would think that it's only self-defense if she's going to, like, hit him again or something. Um, also, you know, you're only allowed to use the amount of force that's, like, necessary to stop what's what you're defending yeah, against. Snowball does not equal a fist, yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Like I said, some snowballs are yeah. icy or rocky or something. I mean, I'll leave it, like, we should, like, leave it up to the jury, but... You know, that's that's how the issue will probably be framed. Like, is punching someone more than necessary to defend against snowballs? I, I love that uh, they got confused with clones. <laughs> there was multiple Spider-Man yeah. in, in Times Square. That was awesome. Well, like, the Jackal has something to do with this, I guess. Oh, the, yeah, blame the Jackal for Spider the snowball. Island. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag. Hashtag. You, you know, I... You know, I actually saw some of these clowns uh, when I was in New York uh, uh, for a couple weeks, and uh, I didn't get anywhere. I did. I didn't get anywhere near them because why not? Well, first of all, because I know what's going. I, because because yeah, I know what's going on in L.A. In L.A., they become such a nuisance, and they've become very aggressive and abusive. That I think in L.A. Kevin may have to back me up on this, or, or uh, I think they've either restricted their activities or done something because they're such a pain. Plus, anybody who asks me for money is just asking to get punched. Uh, <laughs> you know, I don't ever go to L.A. ever. Uh, yeah, I know, I know. It's like I was to freaking God. It just, I'm sorry, you don't ask me for money. It's like, you know what? My wife has taken so much for me. You know, it's like. <laughs> I, <laughs> and you know, I saw an Iron Man, and there was a Batman who was there every single day. And then, like, what the one that really got me though was the Cookie Monster, uh, because because <laughs> I walked by, I walked by the Cookie Monster, and I heard him say "Picture, Picture," and I'm thinking, "Oh, great, the Cookie Monster from Spanish Harlem." You know, <laughs> I want to go to New York now. Uh, these, these, yeah, these guys are, uh, yeah. No, I, I don't have any use for these guys. They're, they're just a bunch of clowns. Hey, Cookie Monster in Spanish Harlem. All right. <laughs> My God. Any other thoughts on this bizarre Spider-Man assault story? This is freaking hilarious. <laughs> I, Chris, great delivery on that. I love that quite a lot. Uh, Jr. alluded to it. Let's hit it up now. Uh, Jr. visited New York City and he. Went and saw the Spider-Man musical. Tell me all about it, Jr. Uh, do you want to do the? Well, I guess we could. I was going to say we could do the Spider-Man prank one because that'll be a quick one uh, before we do this. But uh, I'll, I'll do the prank after the okay. review of okay. The well, so, and, okay. Well, anyway, no, I was about to say because yeah. Oh God, you know when I first heard the news that they were doing this, <laughs> I thought, oh God, this is a damn stupid idea, and uh, you know. Musical? Yeah, yeah. You know, no. not, not quite Star Trek opera bad, but bad enough. <laughs> uh, and But I thought, hell, I'm in New York. I haven't been in 20 years. I need to go see the thing. So, you know, I got I, I went to the uh, the tickets, you know, like the, there's like some booths on Times Square where a lot of like a lot of tickets will come up. They were 50 percent off for shows. 
And you get 50% off Spidey tickets? Yep, yep. That's Uh, good. You can't do one on the really blockbuster musicals like Wicked, for example. I mean, you can't get those 50% off, but but Spider-Man, you could. And so I got, like, some flying circle seats, you know, kind of in the middle where a lot of the action takes place. So I said, oh, God, I can just hardly wait to see this train wreck. What would that what that set you back? Fifty percent. Eighty bucks. Eighty bucks. Wow! So one ticket is one hundred and sixty. Oh, it could be, and and down in Ooh. the down in the or- orchestra pit, you could be paying over two hundred. Oh yeah, I mean, I got. I mean, personally, I think I got a deal, uh, per- yeah. particularly between because you know I was like four seats up in the flying circle section, because that's kind of where Spider Man and the Goblin literally circle when they're on their harnesses, and I like I said I was about four rows up. Uh, pretty close to the middle and during one of the fight scenes spider-man literally swung and landed on the railing and Ooh, nice. uh, yeah i mean and and you had people like before the pl- the show started saying you know folks there's going to be some action taking place here be ready for it uh and don't touch anybody uh so. <laughs> that's a good advice in general yeah. in the theater i mean <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, call the ambulance no. But no, really, I mean, really, no, I mean, it could have been once when he landed on the railing. I mean, yeah, he could have been touched or attacked or hit or anything. So, I mean, he was that close. Um, he had a, a snowball thrown at him. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but no? so I said, oh, God, you know, it's like, okay, a Spider-Man music. I, I got to sit and see this thing. So. Right, right. I loved it. <gasps> yeah. I go. really loved it. I think I'd like it. Too. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I mean, it. it's now, you know, it's a fairly standard Spider-Man slash superhero plot. There's no real surprises. Um, but the characterization is pretty darn faithful. And the characters, you know, except for Arachne, who stayed in the film, um, and Swiss Miss, but she's almost inconsequential. Uh, it, it's... It, it's our old favorites. Uh, and hopefully, I was thinking, and I looked through my playbill, and I didn't see the names. Hopefully, I was thinking, you know, Sam Raimi and Alvin Sargent should have got some kind of recognition. There's like a general thank you to, and they thank Stan Lee. And I'm thinking, you know what? Raimi and Sargent had more to do with this musical than Stan Lee. Um, because there's some scenes that I think were, there are some concepts that were definitely lifted. Not dialogue, but. Uh, but then again, you know, they had to rewrite this thing in, in, in three weeks. Um, it, is right. Norman still a Southern gentleman? Oh, that was I was I was going to say, you know, kind of go yeah. through the actors, you know, but I'll go ahead to Norman. That okay. is the one really bad distracting thing in this in this play, um, because it's not the fact that they made they made Norman Osborn a Southerner. Ah! You know, it's just, and I think the reason they did it is because Norman's gig here is he's you know working on you know genetic experiments to try to help mankind survive. You know, if uh, the earth warms or you know floods come or whatever, to help man evolve and survive, and and that's what the scob the costume is ultimately is. It's supposed to represent a phys- physical transformation, which is why I guess why he looks like a walking vegetable. Uh, but, 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 but so I guess maybe they went with the southern accent because he was supposed to have kind of a messianic bent, but it doesn't it doesn't work. Uh, a German if I, I a German accent would have worked better I, because for one the actor I don't think delivers it well or consistently. You know, it's one of those things where <laughs> where after you you only notice an accent if someone's doing it badly. You know, and it's almost like he would sort of do a quasi southern accent and then he would do a real a real, you know, y'all drawl or whatever, and it would just mm. land like a clunker. And bad southern accents all sound like Elvis. 
Right. And right. and and there is a scene, you know, like the the goblins doing a take on I'll take Manhattan on a piano, and then the act, whether it was in the script or the actor improvised, he goes thank you, thank you very much. So that, <laughs> that Norman was, said thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Oh, but, no, but, no. But, I got a hunk of hunk of burning pumpkin bomb. Everybody, <laughs> everybody was thinking it though. That was the problem. That was the problem with the accent is because everybody was think would would have been thinking it and. Why they decided to go that way with Norman, unless they thought the conventional mad scientist thing was was going to sound awful, that to me is if there was any big mistake that that that's one big mistake is that accent because it it does it just it doesn't work and it wouldn't have it wouldn't have worked if the character had been named you know Joe Schmo. Uh, but you know, and and actually, I didn't see Reeve Carney. The, when I went, um, it was the 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 backup, the guy who's doing it two times a week for Carney now because it's you know physically demanding. Jake Epstein, uh, and I kind of liked him real well. I mean, I thought physically he was more Peter Parkerish. Um, and I, again, you know, when you when I, I I'm even less qualified to be a music critic than I am a drama or storytelling critic. So it's like, what do you think of the music, Jr.? It'd be a very simplistic. I don't know if this guy sings better than Carney or not, but to me, Carney in the pictures I've seen with his haircut the certain way, he looks kind of emo. You know, this guy looks like a, a Jewish kid from from Queens. This Epstein guy, and he's got you know, so he looked more to the part. Mary Jane is is a nice, pretty girl, but an unremarked. She just. I like I like women who belt songs. I mean, I like a you know I mean you know Sutton Foster doing Astonishing or Adina Menzel doing Defying Gravity. You know, just to I like a woman who just grabs the stage and holds it. You know, and mm-hmm. this Mary Jane, the character wasn't written that way, and the actress didn't seem to you know she she was a nice pretty girl. She did the part fine, and really the cast is competent. Nobody really stood out as good or bad. Uh, the cast is is overall is overall pretty competent, but you know it's yeah. wait a minute. Kind of way. Jake Epstein with Spider Man, yeah, <laughs> he's the guy from Degrassi. Oh god, he is. Yeah, I know he's the guy from Degrassi. Exactly. <laughs> Which I'm embarrassed exactly. to have watched. <laughs> yeah, I was Donovan wondering who was going to be the first one to admit that. Uh, but uh, you're the winner, Don. <laughs> I have I never saw Degrassi. I watched it ironically though. No, but he, I, I like, he did, I thought he did. And, and see, there's a, there's a scene at the end, near the end where the goblin and where Spider-Man says he's going to kill the goblin, you know, and I, the guy just physically looks like he could take, carry it off better than, than Reeve Carney. But again, I haven't seen Reeve Carney, so it's not an entirely fair comparison. So, but the, anything you, uh, you, know, you mentioned the, uh, anything that you loved? Well, you know, I, that's. I there were some times I'm trying to remember when there were some times where I sat there and I just had this big stupid ass grin on my face <laughs> and I'm so glad nobody saw me. Um, but I, so I can't think of a moment. It was just seeing something that I've grown up with and have loved, seeing it being interpreted in a, in a rather entertaining way, just amused me. The whole thing just really amused me. Um, and I, you know, it's, I would have seen it again, but, you know, I, I wanted to see another show. So I went to see Wicked and, you know, by that time, you know, I'd spent $150 on two tickets and it, right. it was either that or honey, we don't really need natural gas heat in the middle of a Cleveland winter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was, um, God, I'm trying to think, um, 
J. Jonah Jameson was actually perfect casting, except he didn't deliver the lines like he should have. It's like he he did almost half did he it. Growl or what? Yeah, he well he sometimes he did and sometimes he didn't. I mean sometimes he did the whole J.K. Simmons Spider Man you menace, and then other times you know he would deliver him flat like you're fired. Um, and if if J.K. Simmons had done it, the audience would have been in stitches. Um, Ant Man. Hey, and Uncle Ben are actually too cartoony, I think. They're too much like <laughs> Warden. They, well, it was like Warden Jude and Cleaver. Where, you know, and, and Aunt, you know, Aunt Ben, uh, Aunt ben Uncle Ben, instead of, <laughs> instead of the nice old man type, you know, that Cliff Robertson was, and, and yeah. uh, Martin Sheen played him with a little more of an edge. But this guy was almost like how I've seen Bing Crosby satirized. Well, Peter, let me tell you something about women, you know, and, <laughs> the too much, you know, trying too hard thing. Um, uh, the costumes were actually, you know, the goblin. And I thought I'm surprised someone didn't ask me what I thought of the costume, the goblin costume. Hey Jr. Yeah. What do you think of the there you go. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I thought for sure that would be the first question. Uh, it's stupid looking, but strangely enough, it works in context. Now, obviously, if this was filmed, and I can see why they have they won't release a DVD on this because it would just look absolutely ridiculous. Oh, I it sort of work, it sort of works in the context of the film, and because a lot of the other villains are guys in rubber suits as well. Uh, Carnage, you know, is a guy in a rubber suit. Craven's a guy in a rubber suit. The one character that looks stupid, and there's no way to defend it, no way, whether it's a musical or not, is Swarm. I mean, this guy, <laughs> this guy has, he's got, he's got like a yellow, I mean, again, he's, he, yeah, he looks like he's wearing, he's got a yellow striped pajamas. He's got wires that have big bees on him, and he, has, <laughs> and he has this huge puffy face, you know, like he's been stung a zillion times. <laughs> God. That one, that that does not work under any. And I wish they they should have come up with somebody else. Um, Ke oh, Kevin, what's the history of Swarm? He's a Nazi, the Nazi what? skeleton covered in bees. Yep, <laughs> that's right, that's right. Well, honestly, if he had been a skeleton covered in bees, he'd have looked a lot better. Because of <laughs> this, <laughs> this was Jesus. stupid. There's there's no way to defend this one. Um, and uh, villains, they pick Swarm. Yeah, I, they could have they could have done better with that. Uh, let's see. <laughs> let's see if there's anything else. I mean, like carnage, there. carnage. Yeah, carnage. See, because what happens, and and I don't know exactly the differences between this and the Julie Tamar version, uh, but I know enough about Julie, the Julie Tamar version to know that she just she she missed the point. I think in the first act she had Norman getting killed, and then in the second act the Sinister Six was. Take you know destroying New York in this quasi dream whatever. So what they did was they rewrote it to where at the end of Act One Norman becomes the Goblin, and strangely and this is why I say they've obviously lifted from Spider Man Two because Nor Emily Osborne is actually a fairly major character in the first act. She's the one that keeps Norman. She's grabbed. the wife. Really? She's the wife. Yeah, which okay. uh, which is like one of those. Whether that was in there before Sakasa got involved or not, but that's like, man, that you know, someone read the source material to get her name yeah. right. 
but she's obviously she's very much like the rosy part except she's a scientist as well but she's she's it's definitely like okay these guys saw rosie and doc ock from spider-man too but it, it works she's like i mean because norman is kind of crazy even before he transforms he's he's a little bit unhinged and she keeps him grounded and spoiler alert when norman transforms himself into the goblin she dies during the experiment and, and you know so it's like ah you know and and uh, then in the second act, he kidnaps like the former scientists that worked for him because they all left him because he ran out of money. And he transforms them into the Sinister Six. And that's why you have the Sinister Six thing, because Norman trans, you know, makes them that. So that's not a bad idea, actually. Now, it, 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 and Swiss Miss is one of the, the Sinister Six, which I guess they didn't want to completely scrap the costume. It's not a bad effect. Electro's one of the villains. It's not a bad effect. Like I said, Swarm is really the only stupid one. Um, and, uh, it's, it, it was clear that, you know, there's, there's a couple of good additions. There's a, there's a scene where Mary Jane and Peter are in, it's, it's like it contrasts their home lives and they're each singing, you know, Mary Jane's coming home to a drunken father. Peter's coming home to a loving aunt and uncle. And, and that works because you see these two characters each trying to, 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 distance, to escape from the situation they're in. It, it makes it, it does make it more like they were meant to be together. Uh, Brad would have liked the curtain call at the end because all the Spider-Mans come out, and then the actor he takes a swing, he takes a swing around the um, on the harness, and then he does the upside down thing with Mary Jane, and Mary Jane gives him the Ooh. upside down kiss. Nice, yeah. And, and the audience liked it. I mean, it wasn't standing ovation, you know, type. It wasn't, you know, like like I said, Wicked or whatever, which always brings the house down. But everybody there clearly enjoyed it. Um, and I even stood outside the play, the uh, act. Uh, entrance and uh, got some autographs at the end. So, uh, so did you get an autograph from? I got. See, this is the thing. It's funny. Of course, it, you got to realize it's 32 degrees here in New York, which and it was uh-huh. still it was still 10 degrees warmer than Cleveland. Uh, and surprisingly, Jake Epstein came out and signed the Rebe- Rebecca. Uh, Rebe- uh, I want to say Falconberry, who played Mary Jane. She came out and signed, and Arachne came out and signed and I got all three of them. A couple of extras came out and signed, but I didn't mess with them, but uh, three of them came out. There wasn't hardly anybody there. And that's why I was really disappointed in the turnout. Cause I didn't expect the actor who played Norman to show up. I mean, I really would him. I might've considered trying to get a picture with, Ooh, that's been cool. <laughs> but I, that would have been epic. Except, because I had my mask. I had my mask in case I did something like that. Wait, 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 wait. You brought a, a goblin mask a goblin to New mask? York City? Like a mask? Hey, guys, if you check my Facebook page, I took a picture. I saw it. Yeah. I, I didn't know that you brought it with you to the performance. Yeah, that's, Mark Kelly that's me. Yeah, that's me. I wore, I wore, I have a goblin mask. And because oh, I've, because I've, 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 I mean, I've gone to ha- trick or treating with Halloween, where Spencer's been Spider Man and I've been the Green Goblin, uh, you know. And um, but I had the mask. I said, you know what, I, I, I can't bear to have my own picture taken. I said, but maybe I can get a picture of me wearing this stupid mask. And so I thought, well, maybe I would take a chance and, and give myself on to somebody and have them take a picture of me with the Goblin. But he didn't come out. I, I, in a way, I don't blame him. That thing probably was hotter than hell and heavy, and <laughs> he probably was just he was probably exhausted. But I was disappointed that like you know, again, and the actors, I, I tend to think that as long as they're they're not rude and they don't say stupid things in public, you know, that they don't owe us a whole lot more than their performance. But 
really, there was almost nobody there. It was 20 people, five minutes. You'd have done all the autographs and photo ops that were needed. So that was kind of like, you know, folks, you could have you could have handled this. But, you know, they were all very nice, you know, uh, and uh, I, you know. I, you know, and, and what's funny is and I, I don't I, I've written half a uh, I've written half a review. I don't know if I'll get it posted because you know how my writing has been going lately. But literally, when Jake Epstein was done, he put his toboggan on, you know, or well, OK, a stocking cap. Southern Indiana, we call it toboggans. I was I was told when I moved elsewhere that a toboggan's a sled. But anyway, he put his stocking cap, he put his stocking cap on. He walked down the street with his backpack. So, and some, and it was just the irony of the moment struck me, and I know other people were thinking it too because some. I heard someone say, "There goes Spider Man." He just, no one would have known who he was. He Ooh. perfectly blended in. You just see this kid walking down the street, and I'm thinking, that's like Peter Parker. It really is. He saves the city, and when he's not Spider Man, he blends in. Nobody knows who this guy is and what he's done. And I thought that was the, that's perfect. That is absolute perfect capstone to this event. So wow. overall, I, you know, again, if you're a strict continuity buff, eh, and, you know, like I said, Arachne's still in it, but they de-emphasize her. And, and there is a really good opening number with her because they have like a human web that's created with several actresses. And I can't really describe it, but you could probably see it. It's probably on YouTube somewhere. Um, and she's in the background. So there's some concessions to the art form and I think some concessions to, well, we spend enough, we spent a lot of money doing this and we don't want to completely scrap it. But if you can get a, a good ticket, a cheap ticket, guys, if you're there, I'd say go for it. It, it was fun. What do, you, what do you give it as a grade? I would give it probably a B plus. I really would. That's cool. Maybe That's maybe cool. an A minus. But see, like I said, the songs weren't that memorable. You know, and the songs were kind. Of, they were competent. They were kind of disappointing. Because, like I said, I wonder. Well, you know, because like, like I said, I went to see Wicked the following week, and this, you know, the, the, I mean, particularly, you know, when Alphaba flies at the end of Act One, which I can actually see Norman doing, and but in. She does define gravity, and it's just a great song. And I went looking for it on YouTube and stuff. None of the songs in Spider-Man ever struck me that way. Um, and so that was I would say that was kind of a disappointing aspect, is there were just really no powerhouse songs that, that seemed to come out of that. So, I, I've often thought about buying the uh, soundtrack off of iTunes. Because I, I guess my favorite is the the Norman song that uh, freaks like us yeah. or something like that. that, that, that I like that. I think that's catchy. It's it's a catchy song, and and there is a moment yeah. where, and I I'm, I'm I'm drifting perilously long in this segment. Uh, there's a scene, like for example, the Jonah scenes. There's some anachronisms, like he's got a secretarial pool, you know, which you, <laughs> you don't have these days. There's there's a <laughs> there's there's a couple of characters that are kind of dumb. One is like the uh, Hoffman character. Character. He's called Buttons, and he's got a green shade. And there's another female character with Buttons. big, dopey glasses. Yeah, she's called Marbles. And but there's a scene. <laughs> there's Buttons, a scene where Marbles. yeah, there's a scene where like Spider-Man's you know fighting a bunch of crime, and everybody's singing Spider-Man, Spider-Man, and that's kind of clever. That that that's a cool song. Uh, but but yeah, for the most part, the songs are kind of kind of unmemorable. But uh, now it's it's overall it's uh, it, it was a really surprising good experience. Has anybody else on the line seen the musical? My brother saw it when it was first out. He uh, he's yeah. interested in acting. He went up to New York. I think it was around 
10, I guess, or whatever was first coming out. Because he didn't tell me until he came back, and he told me, because uh, he knows how big in the comics I am, he said that you would totally hate it. He like gave it like a 6 out of 10. But because it's changed so much, I'm not sure what to think now. Yeah, it's it's like they got rid of the geek chorus, which where a lot of people were offended by. Which, it, yeah, I don't know. That that is something. It's, now Stella, we actually I was thinking. Of, yeah, Stella went. Yeah, Stella did a review because uh, she saw it when it was still in preview, so she saw the original version. Yeah. And if I'd had time, I wanted to go back and listen to her review. But they had the geek chorus. They also had the really silly shoe song where people are dressed as spiders and they're in high heels, and the songs about shoes and. You know, it's like, you know, Julie Tamar really went off the cliff, you know, and, and and see, the thing is, it didn't have a superhero structure. I mean, you don't kill the arch enemy in the first act, you know, so you have to even though, you know, if a Spider-Man thing and you'll see like a Spider-Man no more scene where he puts the car, where the costumes in the trash can, you know, if you're a Spider-Man fan expecting an original story, you're not going to get it. But I think people were expecting a musical I mean, when you go see a musical of something that is part of pop culture, you expect it to hit all the same notes, except it's a musical. Yeah. So you're not going to get an original story. Um, but, uh, but you know, but it, it, and I, so I would have liked to have seen the train wreck it originally was. But I think, I, I think, you know, I think what Sakasa did is, I mean, he, he probably saved the show. But he brought, he, he restored to an original, like the original narrative it should, a superhero narrative. And Julie Tamar, supposedly the genius that she is, and she understood, I think she understood that Spider-Man is a myth, a modern myth and a mythological character. And I think she went overboard in that, forgetting that when you tell a superhero story, well, it's like the Superman musical, which apparently still can't get off the ground. Apparently, that isn't hitting the beats. You want to see Lex Luthor. You want to see a world-conquering villain or something. You don't want to see a gang, Superman fighting a petty gangster. So that that's kind of the so anyway so that that's why I think I wish I had seen the train wreck it was so <laughs> but I I want I do want to say I'm sorry uh but I I just reimagined I know has anybody seen wicked no no okay in the thing. middle it, it, the whole concept is Elphaba and Glinda are actually friends in school and by end the end of act 1 Elphaba's inner you know coming into her own she becomes the wicked witch of the west she flies up and she sings defying gravity and i thought and, and she's with um go look it up on youtube there's a, a tony award presentation with Adina Menzel and uh, Kristen Chenoweth and i thought oh god this would be so great for norman and peter you know where cuz El, cuz elphaba asked glinda to join her think of what we can accomplish together you know and i thought oh god this is, i can just see you know Nor, you know norman going to peter or whatever you know peter we can not just bring law and order we can bring justice you know, and, and Peter's saying, you know, and Peter's saying, no, no. And, and then Norman flies up in the glider because Glenda goes up, you know, Glenda goes up and she's singing and or not Glenda, but Alphaba. And, uh, you know, the um, uh, the uh, the wizard's henchmen are all around trying to arrest her. And I can just see Norman going up in the glider and doing defying gravity. And then he tells Peter, you know, you know, we put the part as dearest of friends, but we shall meet again as the greatest of enemies. So, uh, you know, wow, I, I, yeah. I could see him doing that. But anyway, I love that, it. that's enough. So that's enough. That's, <laughs> you did good. All right. Last bit of news. We're going to end on a kissing note. <laughs> so we're going to Zach. Uh, <laughs> Why? This, this, oh, <laughs> damn. Uh, these two 
or maybe a couple kids from Utah State University are geniuses. Uh, they thought that it would be fun to pull a Spider-Man kissing prank. So this guy with a clipboard goes out we're in a heavy traffic area and starts interviewing hot chicks. And he, and he starts asking them about kissing and stuff like that. And would you kiss someone upside down like Spider-Man? And if they say yes, the guy from above drops down in a Spider-Man suit and then the women are tested if they would indeed kiss somebody upside down. It's a little YouTube clip. It's about four minutes long. Hilarious. Zach, what do you think of this thing? I, it cracks me up. I, I laughed. I thought, well played, boys. Well played. That's all I had to <laughs> I mean, because honestly, I mean, who had, uh, who, which, how many Spider-Man fans have not thought about, hey, I want to try this out sometime, you know, with, with yeah. your girlfriend, significant other, you know, um, at least have a picture taken doing it. You know, it, it'd be kind of fun. Um, yeah. I, I, I <laughs> So I just got to say, I mean, these guys are, like you say, geniuses. Um, I, I mean, just the reactions were just priceless. Cause, I mean, some, some of the girls went for it, you know? Some of the girls just grabbed the guy's, grabbed the guy's head and was just, just give him, gave yeah. him a big smackaroo. But, um, I mean, it, it's fun. I mean, it's a fun little little catchy video that uh, I, I wonder if, the, if it spawned um, copycats is my question. I don't know. It's not like uh, uh, the Harlem Shake or anything like that. <laughs> Spider-Man Harlem Shake, which there are Spider-Man Harlem Shakes out there. This little video has been seen a mil- almost nearly two million times. Don't, I mean, don't you wish you th- would have thought of something like this? Right. You maybe have Kevin with the clipboard and you're <laughs> upside down. You get the Mac and the chicks. Are- Kevin, do you want to be upside down? There's a whole lot of that I don't want to answer. <laughs> <laughs> What what if you got like oh what's the kiss what if you got mono out of this deal that'd be bad <laughs> or you know you could get a lifetime supply of mouth herpes oh oh oh, oh, oh. that's the ultimate supervillain isn't it <laughs> <laughs> what is it for the line from the Hangover uh, oh. uh don't ever talk about Vegas but uh, herpes it always stays with you forever Jr don't you wish we did this in college you too. <laughs> I, I tell you, uh, considering the nerd I was, I would have been happy to get any kiss standing up, standing upright or upside down. Chris, you ever think about doing this in the law law building or anything like that? No, I, I was just thinking like the the um, I don't know. I was going to say something like this was some plot by Screwball for the internet, but I couldn't come up with the joke fast enough. So I guess I have to pass on this one. <laughs> what do you? What do you think the ingenuity or the the creativity of the kids? Yeah, it's creative. Yeah, it's sleazy. <laughs> it's sleazy. Explain. How's it sleazy? They're they're getting macked on all by dozens of chicks. I suppose my my mind goes to weird places. I'm like, you don't know where those lips have been, but uh, oh, <laughs> how how old are they again? In the college? In college, they're at uh, Utah State University. They're at least eighteen. Yeah. Well, they're Mormons, so that's the, I mean that that explains everything. <laughs> Oh, if you're Mormon, then you totally do it. Oh, uh, the, the the opinions on this show are not necessarily the opinions of the Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast Inc. dot com or Brad Douglas. Yeah, send your letters to Zach Joiner at SpideyDude dot com. And here I thought Chris was my lawyer. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding about the Mormon joke. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I thought that was just a cute little video. If you go to the front page, and you can find it or search it in the front. Search it in the front. As opposed to Certain the back. in the front, party in the back, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and Don, uh, we have a couple 
pieces of teaser image. I'm going to have you hit another one in addition to this. Spider-Man No More. Uh, looks like Miles Morales is uh, pulling a Romita, throwing the costume in the trash can, and walking away. What a quitter. <laughs> what do you think of this? You're the reviewer of Ultimate Spider-Man, so I went to you. Um, well, it's interesting because <laughs> it's interesting for a hero to you know have a sort of a no more uh, sort of storyline where they're only 23 issues into their series. Um, ben has told uh, the interviewers that uh, I'm reading off a of CBR that like this is going to come after a big time skip, or this, this is going to launch a time skip, where he's just going to kind of just do really crazy stories and uh, make, make the issue a little bit less predictable. I myself am not really a fan ever at all of when heroes give up. I mean, I like in Spider-Man ASM number 50, but like, like whenever you see it in like Spider-Man 2 or briefly in The Dark Knight or even in Punisher Warzone, like, I just don't like seeing heroes like, you know, say, I can't do this anymore and like, sit on their ass for like two parts of a four part story. I'd, I'd never do. But like, I mean, this is, this is interesting because, you know, Miles is such a unique, uh, character in how he sort of differs from Peter Parker and how he kind of approaches the whole Spider-Man thing. He's kind of playing it on, on the on the edge of his ass anyway, so I, it's not unbelievable. It's not unrealistic. Uh, the time skip is a little concerning to me. I don't want it to be like you know two or three years until you Spider-Man again because I, I think that'll be a little too much. I'm interested, but because of the nature of the story, I'm cautiously optimistic. And I need to unmute where, as I'm chewing on a pickle. Uh, <laughs> Boy, that sounds awkward. <laughs> hey, whatever tickles you know pick up, Brad. <laughs> we, we all made sandwiches as we just paused the recording and we uh, picked together. Up. Not, not, not together, though. I mean, sadly. No, no. As much Why was I not be. invited to the sandwich party? I don't have a sandwich. <laughs> yeah, the sausage party. Uh-oh. Oh, it's true. Ever since Stella left. Stella, <laughs> uh, <laughs> come back. So we're we're fast forwarding in time. We're seeing what Miles Morales is like in three years. Is this what I'm, I'm hearing there's from? Not a, I mean, we don't know the number of the time skip, but we know that there is going to be a time skip. And okay. again, I'm not saying this is automatically going to be bad, but like I'm, I'm kind of worried as to where this the narrative is going to go. Like, you know, is it like two years later and you know, Gonky is dead and his mom is <laughs> dead, his dad is dead, and like he's like a homeless kid, or or is it? <laughs> You know, I mean, I'm always leery about time skips, uh, especially when the hero gives up, because that's sort of like, it's almost like a, a, uh, an idea for a relaunch, which I hope right. we're not going to do. Well, that's the rumor what it's what's happening, that the uh, there's, they're ending the Ultimate Universe, and I, I, I... Well, Brian Bendis has, like, screamed about that rumor many times on Twitter, though. Like, he keeps decrying uh, comics reporting is dead because that is just the stupidest thing he's ever heard. He's just, every people keep asking him, he keeps yelling, no, for God's sake, the Ultimate okay. Universe is not ending. Okay. Uh, my right. only worry with this thing, because pretty much when it comes to Ultimate Spider-Man, I trust in Brian Michael Bendis. Yeah. He's been doing it really well for quite a few years now. My only worry is, Miles just joined the Ultimates. Is this book now going to be out of time sync with the Ultimates? I don't know. And if that happens, does that mean he's leaving the Ultimates? Because I thought that was pretty cool that he got to be a member. How long has he been a member of the Ultimates? I've not seen that reference barely at all, since except for like the hey. crossover issues. He joined the United during States. United yep. We Stand. Yeah. Well, right, but like, has he appeared in the Ultimates comic book? Honestly, um, I this is and this is about to make me sound like a gigantic hypocrite. I dropped the Ultimates a few issues ago. <laughs> um, so yeah, it kind of sounds like I shouldn't worry about that, doesn't well, it? 
Uh, in all fairness, since Hickman left, it's not been that great. Yeah, and once it got into the whole United We Stand, Divided We Fall thing, I wasn't really enjoying anything besides Spider-Man. I ended up dropping Ultimates and Ultimate X-Men. It just <laughs> was not doing it for me. Um, although I've heard that Josh Fialkov, um, who did I Vampire, is going to be taking over the Ultimates. I'm not sure if that's true or not, but I heard that. And if that's true, I might give it another look. Yeah. But yeah, more to your point, uh what Don was asking, I haven't I hadn't really seen um Miles in more than like one issue of the Ultimates before I dropped it, but the thing that was cool about it was what Bendis was doing because because Miles was in the Ultimates, then he got a reason to interact with Spider Woman and so we got to see that in the Ultimate Spider Man comic and that was pretty neat. Mm hmm. Do we care if Miles comes to six one six? I'd like to see it. Um although, you know, that would be like I think that would be the weird, the, the real end of the ultimate comic books because that's no use. I mean, to it. yeah. Well, if we if we blow up the ultimate universe and bring him over, I mean, he's too good a character to throw away. I think. Well, yeah, I'd just... rather see that than like you know actually like a six one six Miles Morales because there would be too much. The, the comparisons would be tiring. The thing about all the I've, I think I've said this before. The thing about all these alternate universes, the Spider Man concept tends to work on all of them. Yeah, the rest of them suck. <laughs> <laughs> The Fantastic Four, in my opinion, of the Ultimate Universe wasn't that great. The X-Men kind of sucked. But Spider-Man in 2099 and Ultimate, MC2, generally works. The concept is pretty much universal, and it makes a good story. Because I think Spider-Man is the most interesting character of all the Marvel Universe. <laughs> Very true. Uh, another teaser. Uh, this just came out uh, a couple days ago. I go around the horn, whoever wants this one. Uh, get well soon. It looks like Joe Mad. Uh, finally got done penciling two issues in three years, oh. and uh, coming back after the Superior or the Avenging Spider-Man launch, and the and the uh, image is Spider-Man thwipping a web. It says "Get Wells soon," and I think there was uh, some other e image that that was released that was Joe Mad also. Yeah, there was an I, image I, of Joe Mad doing Wolverine that was released. That's right. Yeah, which I, makes. And some a commenter on the uh, front page said that there's supposedly a planned uh, um, Wolverine and Spider-Man miniseries by Zeb Wells and Joe Mad. So I think this is this is that. Right. Right. I agree. Just takes place before 700. Yeah. Yeah, like Age of Ultron number one, and let's all figure that out. <laughs> oh lord. I did like Doc Ock. In the um, most recent Avengers book, yeah, he's been eating, good in that. E eating, uh, well, I mean, that's the only thing he's done in the recent launch. Yeah, I mean, Hickman, Hickman's got so many uh, balls in the. Well, that's just bad. He's got so many. He's juggling so many characters. <laughs> yeah. How do I get out? No, of this? hey, uh, hey, <laughs> let's just say it. For the stuff that he's been writing, it's pretty evident that oh. Jonathan Hickman has some huge balls. I, I agree. <laughs> the Avengers has been awesome. Yeah. And I even I, I didn't like the first issue of New Avengers, but I'm that's the my favorite of the two Avengers books now. What did yeah, I, I think both of them are working together really really well, and it seems to be building to this Infinity event that he's doing with yeah. Jim Chung's. So I'm all on board, but yeah, just the way he's using Doc Ock, Spider Man, and uh, the Avengers is just fun. I mean, he's he's getting to. You know, the kind of reactions Dr. Octopus would have to stuff like this, which is sort of a juxtaposition to what any other real Avenger would say. There's no, there hasn't been a uh, scene, with the exception of him eating uh, cannonballs 
lunch, has there? Has there been one I've missed? Uh, there was another one in the most recent that, uh... I, I forget the exact what was going on, but it seemed to be, like, him questioning if... Uh, it's when the whole new universe thing is starting to happen, and it was something about him questioning, like, should we be letting this happen? This doesn't look good. Right, right. All right, wait, wait, that's probably an issue that Zeb Wells wrote when Avenging came out. If I had to guess, maybe. Because, you know, when they launched the Avenging Spider-Man book, it was with that uh, three-parter with the Red Hulk and Joe Mad. Yeah, and Zeb the whole idea of the book when they launched it, they said, was for Joe Mad to get to draw a bunch of different stuff, and then he was only on there for three issues. Three issues, yeah, no doubt. And we'll wrap the episode up right about there. Before we go, I want to give another shout-out to our sponsor, MailOrderComics.com. An example of their great prices is on Morbius number 5. And this one, Brownsville, gets more treacherous, and Morbius takes matters into his own hands. Now, the cover price is $2.99. Mailer has it for just a buck eighty-five, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at MailOrderComics.com. Thanks for listening, gang. I'm your host and webmaster, Brad Douglas, for the SpiderManCrawlspace.com.